was a place I'd give the world to see Where the music softly playing And the rhythms gently swaying Underneath the stars in a million bars Guitars are softly saying Mexico You got to be in so much to see in Mexico Yes He's back, Long John Baldry, marvellous. Uh, after Mexico, we go now to Campeche, and uh, we welcome John Bonfilio to the show. Uh, John, thanks uh, ever so much for joining us. Good evening. What an uplifting tune that, that is. I'd forgotten <laughs> I'd missed it. Yeah, I missed it too, really did. Uh, so it's September in Mexico. Uh, and this is a bizarre story. Um, in 1985, then again in 2017, and now in 2022, uh, you've had uh, powerful earthquakes in Mexico on the very same day, September the 19th. On the very same day and some of the most powerful earthquakes in history. And not just that, in order to commemorate the first, uh, well, to commemorate and also to alert people to possible future earthquakes, always on September the 19th as well, there's an alarm at midnight, there's, uh, sorry, at midday, there's an alarm which sounds out across Mexico City, alerting people to what took place in the past. So only a few hours after this took place, the alert, uh, the earthquake alert went off in 2017, there was an earthquake, and again, just last Monday, exactly the same thing happened. I was with people who were having conversations about the alert and the, and the drill, uh, and then with the same people later on when it was assumed that it was another drill, but then we realized that, in fact, it was a stinking strong earthquake to the extent that people now are, I mean, semi-jokingly, but also a little bit, you know, superstitiously saying mm. we need to stop thinking about earthquakes on that day because they're actually almost willing them into existence. And these are no small earthquakes. I mean, they're all between 6.8, 7.2. 7 the 1985 one. Uh, 10,000 dead. I mean, one of the most significant events wow. in, in Mexican history, the one in 2017, even you know, 30 years after the 1985 one, when building uh, rules, regulations, construction was so much stronger, that's still killed uh, 400 people. So you, for sure, these are you know, big old, big old things that keep happening in Mexico on September the 19th. Isn't that amazing? The same day. Or, I mean, the, and there's no explanation as to why. Well, I mean, no. It's purely coincidence that it has happened on the same day in those three. Yeah, there is no science. Yeah, I mean, no. you speak to any scientist about this, which I have done, and they will roll their eyes at you and yes, say that, you know, that, 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 yeah, that the, the, the five plates that run under Mexico do not look at dates no. uh, in terms of their decision making when, when a, a tremor is going to strike. There was actually another one yesterday. There was a, another big aftershock, which was 6.8 yesterday. Wow. Um, so, yeah, this is yeah, very much. I mean, here where I am in the southeast, we're, we're on rock, so you barely feel them. But certainly if you're in the center of the country, and in particular Mexico City, which is built on an old lake bed. So Mexico City in particular um, suffers from earthquakes, not because the epicenter is anywhere near them, but because by the time the tremors reach the city, because it's on sand and silt, they amplify um, and expand and, uh, and, and that generate, that's why always in Mexico City there is more destruction and it feels so much worse than anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, looking at a uh, story from Argentina now, um, where else would this happen? Uh, Buenos Aires has just hosted the World Tango Championships. Uh, t tell me about those. Yeah, these don't move, these don't move 
around internationally. We're not, not no. likely to see these in Dubai anytime soon. Uh, these took place actually, and also because this is, as with so much this year, this is the first year after the the pandemic when this this has taken place, and also because uh, tango is such an integral part of Argentina, in particular Buenos Aires life, and and all the tango salons, the small, uh, you know, sort of previously smoky, uh, intimate tango salons have been closed for two years. So this was the first live event, and also as a result of the pandemic, they moved it into an open air atmosphere in one of the most important squares in in Argentina. But yeah, for two weeks between six, September the 6th and the 18th, just now, just recently finished, uh, nearly 600 couples from over 30 countries competed in two um, in two sections, in uh, the Salon Tango, which is the slow, traditional, sultry uh, version of it, the more conservative, historic version, and then the chore- choreographed stage tango, which is where all experimenters of tango uh, come to the fore. And there's, there's acrobatics and pirouettes and stage dives and uh, and all sorts. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. You know, a really big event in, in Buenos Aires. And, and uh, have a guess as, as to who one of the major figures that appeared at uh, these tango championships was, Martin. I bet you can actually guess it if you think about Argentina's most famous child. Um, now, um, well, it's obviously not uh, Diego Maradona. Well, um, you would think, Because he's no longer you? with us. It oh, was hang Diego on, Maradona. <laughs> yeah. I was it. They made, there was a big homage to Maradona. So Maradona, big screens in the background and, and so on. And yeah, the World Tango Championships paid homage to, uh, to, 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 to Diego. There you go. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, now, while we're talking uh, football, you uh, kind of send me uh, a clip of an amazing uh, own goal. Now, this is a match that was uh, 3-1. So the team was losing 3-1. And then just uh, somebody banged in a, a late own goal. Yeah, we, we like to do uh, obscure sporting stories uh, from the second division uh, Amazonas State Championship in the Kelniverse, uh, <laughs> Martin. And this is, a, this is a classic, as you say. I mean, the audacity of what took place. So, yes, yeah, a standard, fairly meaningless match. And then I think the, the uh, left midfielder passed it back to the goalkeeper pass it uh, to the right back who then just the the game is petering out nobody really cares which I guess is part of the problem who then plays it back to the centre back uh, just outside of the just outside of the area the goalkeeper maybe I don't know six seven yards behind him and the centre back just turns faces the keeper and just drills the shot into the top corner top right hand corner and what's what's especially amazing when you view this footage and I would recommend anybody to seek out on uh, YouTube, if, if possible, is that nobody reacts around him. Like, I think everybody is so shocked as to what they've just seen yeah. take place that they genuinely don't know uh, how to react. Yeah, and for sure it seems, I mean, I've certainly never seen an own goal anything like it. Uh, and yeah, this took place a couple of weeks ago in the uh, second division Amazonas State Championship of Brazil. And presumably uh, it was a betting thing, you would assume, maybe. I think it's got to be one of two things. Either um, it was a betting thing, but even then, I mean, it was so obvious. Or the other thing is that the guy was just so fed up with what had taken place in the in the in the match and Besides, maybe previously yeah. in the, and was just fed up to the hind teeth. And he just thought, you know, uh, darn this. He thought all words to that effect, yeah. and then just slammed it. Anyway, that's the end of his football career because he's been sacked, and uh, <laughs> I doubt anybody else is going to give him a game at any point soon. No, I think you're probably right there. Just finally, the the big fight last weekend was a bit of a damp squib. Uh, Golovkin uh, clearly not up to it against uh, Canelo. 
Yeah, we didn't really learn. I think sometimes, when, I mean, for sure, with a trilogy, you know, we were all um, hoping for an epic bout, the likes of which we definitely had in in, uh, in the first and, and the second. And, and I think uh, we obviously didn't get that. And I think the other thing that often happens with, with boxing narratives is we tend to get disappointed if we don't learn anything new from a particular bout or a fight. And sometimes, you know, there'll be an amazing performance or something and we'll think, ah, oh, maybe this means that this person could whatever or um, present for uh, another uh, belt or, and so on. But really in this one, we learn, we certainly, as regards Canelo, we learn absolutely nothing new based on his previous loss to Bivol. And, and everybody knew prior to the fight that Golovkin was 40 and what, another five, six years on from mm. from the second epic match and so on. So it was likely to play out in the way that, that it has, despite Golovkin's protestations of the fact that he still has fight in him. This this uh, this bout certainly seems to prove or suggest the contrary. And it seems like Canelo's now got to go back to um, to fight Bivol up away again, unless Bivol steps down. Um, in a Mexican sense, really important, I guess, because obviously it's Canelo, uh, Mexico's favorite son, boxing son, who famously doesn't fight other Mexican boxers because he sees himself as a representative of Mexican son. Mm-hmm. So for him and for the Mexican public, it, 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 it does feel as though he's reaffirmed his position as the, the premier Mexican boxer of all time. But I think the broader boxing world doesn't quite see it in the same way. No. Okay, um, John, as always, thank you ever so much. And uh, we'll talk again next week, if that's okay. Chat in a week. Good man. Uh, there he is, uh, John Bonfilio, joining us from uh, Mexico. Uh, you're tuned 